Hello, Nathan. Hello, Trev. How's it going, all right? I'm all right, mate. How are you? Not too bad, son. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of We Need to Talk About Movies podcast. This week, once again, it's a rarity, but we are in one another's company, aren't we? We're in we're, the same room. We're in person. We're in person. So the audio may be slightly different. Hopefully it's okay. You can still understand what we're saying, but it's on a different device. So if, if it does sound a little bit different, that's why. But uh, today we are here to talk about... Right, it should be my choice this week, but we're going to go for uh, a random, odd film that you might not have heard of. And it's the 1993 Australian drama comedy Bad Boy Bubby, which... Um, You've seen Bad Boy Bobby before, Nathan? I have seen Bad Boy Bobby before, and uh, I think if we think back, we'll realise that you were directly responsible for it last time. <laughs> it's a film that we've... I've not watched it since I last watched it with you, and that was probably 20 years ago. It was a while ago, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. a long time. And it's one of those films that I used to have pleasure in showing people, just to see them react <laughs> Uh, very strange, very dark, very disturbing. It's, well, to read the back cover, it's uh, Bad Boy Bubby, stars Nicholas Hope. Confined to a two-room slum for his whole life, Bubby knows only of the existence of himself and his mother, a religious freak who shares the bath and her bed with her son. But when Bobby's long-lost father, an alcoholic priest, returns home and to his wife's bed, the jealous Bobby is driven to head out into the world. Abused and exploited by everyone from feminists to prison inmates, a policeman, animal lovers and the Salvation Army, Bobby, armed with only the few phrases he's learnt from his mother, has a tough entry into an inhospitable world. But others soon warm to his innocent idiot savant and Bobby's and Bubby starts to find a place in the poisoned world from which he was confined. So, that does sum it up nicely, <laughs> but doesn't begin to paint the picture of what this movie goes on to become, does it? No, it's quite dark, but we will watch it in a minute, and we will... Uh, so, yeah, when we're in person, we do the introduction, then we'll watch the film, and then we'll come back and we'll discuss it then further. So you have that to look forward to. But first of all, after the last edition, I put out a question about people's favourite 80s films. Yeah. And the listeners commented in abundance, but half of them didn't comment before the episode. And because we've got nothing else, I've put no other posts out there. I'm going to go through some of the other posts that we've missed out on. So to start with, Alan Day said, oh, there's so many aliens, Terminator. Die Hard, The Thing, The Lost Boys, Excalibur, Mad Max 2, Educating Rita, Platoon, Remains of the Day, Full Metal Jacket, Brazil, Ghostbusters, 1984, Predator, and you've already done with Nail and I, uh, and I pointed out that he, he missed out Blues Brothers. He forgot the Blues Brothers. Which was his choice the other <laughs> week. <laughs> Scorpio Kitty said, I'll give you a classic, Dirty Dancing. You ever seen the Dirty Dancing, Nathan? I bought watermelons. Did you? Have you ever seen Dirty Dancing? Though? <laughs> Thanks for the watermelons. No, that's uh, Baby's famous line, isn't it? Is it? Yeah, I think so. Have you not seen it? I have seen it. 
but you're not going to admit to knowing it. No, yeah. I only know the bit. Nobody puts baby in the corner. But oh, it's only, right. it's no. only because a chap I used to work with used to say that all the time. <laughs> but my wife did when we got together. Um, I was showing her lots of films from my <laughs> collection, and then she showed me a couple of hers, and then I put my foot down. <laughs> Dirty Dancing was one of those. Yeah, not. I don't know. I always thought, looking at the clips of Dirty Dancing and what I had seen of it before, yeah. I always thought it was a film set in the eighties. Right. It wasn't until you're watching it and you're like, oh, it's supposed to be the fifties. <laughs> it looks so much like an eighties film, doesn't it? Yeah. Inside and out. And I can't help but get the feeling that um, Patrick Swayze. Is once again going back to Donnie Darko playing some sort of kiddie fiddler. Isn't he? <laughs> He's quite a bit older, hanging around with all the kids at the running off with someone's little daughter. Yeah, it's a bit strange. Yeah, before she goes off to college. But so it's, how old uh, would she have been? Yeah, exactly. It's and um, that was all right in the fifties, right? The eighties into the fifties. That was that, that was acceptable if you was filming a film in the eighties that was set in the fifties. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Um, so a preacher bear said they live I think that's needed for today we took, discussed that one last week that was the other uh, John Carpenter film where he puts on the glasses with subliminal messages right yeah and what not the hairy backpackers or the hairy bike packers aliens one of the best sequels ever every day in the corpse is like a day on the farm Becca Gulliver said I was a child in the 80s, so most of my favourites are from that period, and they're child-friendly movies. Big, possibly, being in my top movies of that time. Big is a great film, isn't it? We yeah. watched that again when we were kids, and still good. E.T. is also a fave. Uh, I used to watch that on a really dirty-looking pirate copy for years and years, because it wasn't released on video. Spielberg sort of put his foot down for many years before releasing that on video, so all you could watch it on was really grimy pirates so I always found it quite disturbing as a child <laughs> but it, there is something magical about it um, Indiana Jones of course can't be forgotten Honey I Shrunk the Kids but mainly because that was the first time I went to the cinema without a parent and she said you can't really mention the 80s without putting the Goonies Back to the Future and Ghostbusters into the conversation Goonies yeah see I never liked the Goonies even as a child really yeah I didn't like the characters. It's just, I, it disturbed me as a child. The characters, yeah. I didn't like Chunk. Did you not? No, I didn't find him funny. I just thought he. I don't know. There's something funny about looking. those characters that I didn't enjoy as a child watching films. But Ghostbusters, always a favourite of mine. Back to the Future. Uh, I do want to discuss Ghostbusters coming up soon because we got um, the new Ghostbusters Afterlife comes out soon, doesn't it? Right. Okay. So it's like Ghostbusters meets Stranger Things, by the looks of it. Yeah, yeah. Should the trailer be. has absolutely no comedy in it whatsoever. What did you think of the, the all-female Ghostbusters? I quite enjoyed it. Do you not remember us having a conversation with us about this before? Because we probably have. Chris Hemsworth. Oh, friend. yeah. you like, See, because I didn't think it was that bad a film. I liked I it. I didn't think that Chris Hemsworth was any good in it. <laughs> <laughs> I like is it. Is it from Kirsten Wig? It's yeah. Wig. I like Kirsten Wigg as an actor. Yeah. You know, and I like a lot of the stuff that she's been in. I thought she was great in uh, The Martian, for example. Yeah. She's done, when, when she sort of does 
slightly less slapsticky comedy. I think she's really good. Oh, I did see her in a film, um, Mother. Right. Which is a Jennifer Lawrence film, and it's like an analogy of the Bible. That's fucking strange. Is it The Robot? No, it's called Mother. Yeah, I thought there was one that was like that where a woman's raised by robots. Oh, there is a film called Mother like that. No, this is... Jennifer Lawrence basically plays Mother Earth. or She's a woman. It's so strange. She lives in a house with the bloke from... Who I've forgotten his name now, from No Country for Old Men, the killer in that. Yes, yeah. He plays a character called Him with a capital H. It's basically, like I say, it's an allergy of God. She's built this house and her and God live in it together. And then he starts inviting people in or people keep turning up and it's like Adam and Eve are the first people. And it's, it's a very, very strange film, but it all takes place in this house. Yeah. And it gets weirder and weirder. And Kristen Wig, Kristen Wig, Kristen Wig. She turns up in it later on and she's, um, yes, yeah, very dark, very twisted. Not the sort of role you'd expect of her. No. Not the sort of film you'd expect. That's one we'd do as an odd film one day, Nathan. You'll love it. You'll absolutely hate it. Just <laughs> 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 be honest. Uh, and Becca Gulliver, anyway, she goes on to say, Uncle Buck and Ferris Bueller's Day Off get a mention, although I probably didn't see those until 92 when I turned 15. Um, Sam Fowler said, Blood Frenzy is an alright horror film. I don't, don't think I know that one. No. No. Ten TP Wild Camping, John Carpenter's The Thing, Colonel Camps, Aliens, never been a better sci-fi scare fest move, action movie since. Oh, and Flight of the Navigator. I don't think he meant Flight of the Navigator was a sci-fi scare fest action movie. But <laughs> uh, Did you, Flight of the Navigator, I always remember that for being a Disney film with the word crap in it. As a child, I always right. found that really like. Oh my god, he said crap. I like the uh, the effects of the ship changing shape and everything. And I thought I thought it had some great effects in it. I really enjoyed it. I like the concept of it as well, mm. where he disappears and comes back, and he's his old his younger brother is his older brother, and yeah, all it's that. All it's really, up, yeah. yeah, I like that. Yeah, no, so it's a real yeah. It's got time travel in it, obviously, which is something I'm a huge fan of, and. Um, yeah, I don't know. I just really enjoyed the films. Good fun. I think there is an element of something that you find scary about it as a kid. Uh, mm. That lostness of like feeling like you need to run away from your family because you can't associate with any of them because like you don't know them. You you feel like you've been disjointed from everything that you knew. Like you know. Yeah. So I quite you know I think there is something quite not sinister, but there is something to be f- afraid of as a young kid watching it. But yeah, I enjoyed the film. Really liked it. Yep. Um, Quinton Willacott says Breakfast Club. Yes. Everything was perfectly tuned in. Teen 80s Brat Pack in full effect. Loved it. See, that's... um, Oh, God. The same writer as Ferris Bueller's Day Off and Uncle Buck. For some reason, I just cannot remember his name at the moment. I didn't really rate Ferris Bueller's Day Off so much. John Hughes. John Hughes. He wrote Ferris Bueller's Day Off in like a couple of days. Right. So I didn't mind Ferris Bueller's Day Off, if I'm honest. I used to, that used to be one of my favourites at a time. Um, I like Uncle Buck. Yeah. Yeah. And Planes, Trains and Automobiles and all those sort of films he yeah. done as well. 
John Hughes done some great films. But I think The Breakfast Club is one of those classics, which I'm going to confess, I've never seen it. Have you not? I've never wanted to watch it. It's, I don't um, know why. Matey Boy out of uh, Mighty Ducks. Ducks. Yeah. yeah. I know who's in it. Was it you sent me the copy of the Mighty Ducks cover? <laughs> Mighty Ducks too, yeah. I put it on our Facebook page. Yeah. Very strange cover. Mike Outdoors says it's my all-time favourite film, Labyrinth. What are you shaking your head for? <laughs> I just, ever since I was a little boy, not a fan of Labyrinth. No. See, I used to love it when we were younger, but we watched it again with the kids. I think we said this in the very first podcast we did. Right. We watched it again with the kids, and I just thought, do you know what? This film's actually really shit. <laughs> <laughs> so, sorry about that, Mike. But uh, Jason Garland has to be the Blues Brothers, closely followed by Gremlins. Karen's Gone Wild says Weird Science or Ferris Bueller's Weird Day Science. Off. That was a fucking brilliant film. I think that might have been John Hughes as well. What was the, the woman's name? Brooke? Kelly LeBrock. Kelly LeBrock. Yeah. No, was it Kelly LeBrock? Yeah, Kelly yeah, LeBrock. Yeah, she was absolutely stunning. I always well. remember her in Woman in Red. You ever seen that with Gene Wilder? Don't know, I might have to Where watch that. She, oh, it's brilliant. She comes in, He's an, he works in an advertising agency and she comes in and he sort of has a crush on her and he's going to cheat on her with his wife. Um, cheat on his wife with her. He gets a bit obsessed. It's brilliant. Yeah, real. The perils of trying to cheat if you're not that way inclined. <laughs> Basically, it'll put anyone off. <laughs> Great fun. Um, Matt Lever said, not sure if it's my absolute favourite, but I really love Restless Natives. So, uh, Restless Natives. I don't never heard of that, I don't think. Scottish adventure comedy. He says it's got a real Gregory's Girls Gregory's Girls vibe about it, with a big country soundtrack. Um, Dan Bridal said the Goonies, and Callum Court said it's got to be coming to America. So finally, I've got through. Don't anyone else send any more in? <laughs> finally, got through those. What about Never Ending Story? Yeah. Never... Is that one of your favourites? No, I used to hate it. Yeah, I never liked the Never Ending Story either. It goes on a bit, doesn't it? It never ends. <laughs> I like it that it does end. And then they done part two and it flops. That was that was the end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh... But there you go. So anyway, that was some of your discussions. Uh, I don't... Have you watched a film this week, Nath, have you? No. No, neither have I. So we'll just get straight on with it. Let's crack on with a bit of Bad Boy Bubby. We're going to sit back, watch a bit of Bad Boy Bubby, and then we will join you all afterwards to discuss Bad Boy Bubby. I noticed that you didn't say sit back and relax. No. (laughs) No. For a reason. See you soon. Cheats. Them's be whoppers. Yeah. <laughs> like the seventh wonder of the world. Well, here we are then. You alright? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think this discussion will do us good to uh, process what we've just seen. <laughs> uh, what the fuck did we just watch? <laughs> it's um, a strange film, but... Strangely, a good film. Yeah, it's not a bad film by any means. No, but so disturbing. Uh, it's it's odd, isn't it? It starts off 
Bubby and his mum just in the little real hovel that they live in isn't it but there's no windows or anything it's just concrete walls yeah two rooms one sort of living quarters kitchen diner if you could call it that you can't really call it that no Uh, and then the bedroom stroke shower room yeah um when it first starts it was that quiet it was like a weird it's just close up a bubby and he's being washed and shaved shaving shaving first and then you see his mum washing him down and then he's washing she watches he's watching her wash herself down and she's basically kept bubby in this little house for 35 35 years and he's never left the house and he's obviously he's an idiot you know yeah he's not he's not an idiot he's just uneducated in everything though isn't it it's like he's a blank canvas basically isn't he yeah completely she's kept him blank so it's real savage but she has got this control over him being his mum and she if she leaves the hovel she puts on a gas mask and tells him you can't go out because of the poison bubby and then she tells him to sit still and not move and he has to put yeah. his hands on the table God when she watch. leaves God's watching yeah, if you God's move God will tell me Yeah, and, and I'll beat you senseless and um, you know he, he's the victim in this he's a real, yeah, it's, it's strange isn't it but then the beginning scenes are so dark and so unnerving yeah. And we sort of sit watching it, and I mean, when we watched it before, it was like oh, laughing at it. It's disturbing, but you've got no choice but to laugh. <laughs> yeah. If you didn't laugh, you'd cry. <laughs> it, it, yeah, it's the sort of film that's got a real sort of twisted flair. But do you know what surprised me on this, this time round of viewing? Is the fact that that beginning segment, I mean, we refer to it as the beginning segment, it's the first half of the film, isn't it? It's like 40 odd minutes before. It, it, yeah, it is a long section. And there's a few things I remember differently watching it this time, and I'll be like, oh, I, I remembered that differently. And I was thinking the same about the. I thought it was like 10 or 20 minutes at max in the house before he goes into the world. Yeah. But. Yeah, it was quite sort of long and drawn out. And in that time, you sort of meet Bubby and his mum and you realise that they have sex together. Yep. Um, and so he's not being forced. Like, he's into that, but because he, he is unaware of that the different of what is right and wrong. doesn't know any different, does he? Until... Um, and then he's got this cat in a cage. And... The cat, it's a weird thing because you're watching it and you're just like, the, you see it in this cage and he's poking things at it and he goes around crawling after um, insects like cockroaches, cat, doesn't he? Cockroaches yeah. and he's pulling their legs off and he drops them in for the cat. And then when his mum goes out and she tells him, be still, Bubby. And then Bubby dresses up as his mum, doesn't he? And he's got like. Oh, she's in there. Yeah. And she just sort of acts normal as if it's nothing and he's dressed in her clothes with like fake tits fake tits uh, because Flo's got lovely tits <laughs> she's this grotesque sort of oh <laughs> them's be whoppers <laughs> and when they have sex it's always like he's led on the bed 
and she's like riding him and he just you see with his feet together like really <laughs> like and then uh, he's just rubbing her yeah all breast. he's doing is rubbing her <laughs> but um, yeah he's got this cat anyway and then there's like the scene the cat's tied to the chair isn't it and he's going be still cat <laughs> and uh, he's fucking you know everything is the cat basically is Bubby and he is playing mum yeah yeah but you just think oh that cat's really struggling to get off this chair and it's tied to this chair in the most awkward way yeah it's by like, one paw isn't it or yeah, something um, yeah I did read actually that Mark Kermode walked out of the cinema watching this film because it was uh, because of the way it was cruel to animals but apparently there was vets on the set when they was filming it oh right that sure, makes it okay yeah. to make sure no animals were harmed and right because you were saying like with the cat in the cling film you're like is that a real cat <laughs> yeah there were there were some sections of it when you're looking at the cat and you think to yourself I mean this is this is like over 25 years ago so I don't know if rules and regulations of what you can do in film and what you could do in film in Australia were different back then but you wouldn't imagine that anyone would allow the restraining of an actual cat and with CGI and that available there are other options other than tying up yeah there animals, wouldn't have been back then to no, see exactly there, but. so back then it, was it a real cat that's what's making me question it like, yeah know. I think the cat tied up certainly is a real cat isn't yeah. it yeah and then there's the scene with the second cat when it, he finds it and it's been attacked by those three yobs. And that is, like, I'm not, I don't care what anyone says, that limp body is a freshly killed animal. Well, I was reading up about that a minute ago because there's like animal cruelty allegations and there was sort of people protesting about it. But apparently, like I say, yeah, there was vets on set when it was being filmed and cruelty inspectors on set. The cat, the dead cat, is a cat that was sort of a, a stray cat that had to be put down. Feral yeah, yeah, cat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's one that they yeah, yeah. substituted not, for. Not saying so that it was cruel that it, no, the cat was dead, but it was definitely, definitely a, a real actual cat. real cat. But it yeah. was, yeah, a real cat. But yeah, it's disturbing. <laughs> just, just that alone. But then, you know, the fact that he's got this cat brings him the question, where's, where, where's the cat come from? And then the mum says outside why the cat's not got a mask yeah yeah you know and then he's starting to piece together she says oh cat doesn't breathe and he's like how does cat not breathe and then she yeah just basically half suffocates him yeah she grabs him around the throat with her arm in a headlock and then puts her hand over his mouth and nose and holds him for ages until he's like you can see he's really struggling to breathe he's starting to kick out and and she's like there that's not breathing this, it's like how she when she responds to him like obviously she knows how to speak whatever she would refer to as proper English but she speaks in this real primitive basic broken English to him all the time so he doesn't he's, there's no chance for him to learn how to speak properly like you know no. and uh, yeah so she's like trying to explain to him how the cat doesn't breathe and in this one instant having seen the film before you can see how her own demise unfolds in front of her and she is the catalyst exactly. for her own demise isn't she yeah because she's just shown him sort of yeah because then he goes on to sort of start testing the cat doesn't he and like why is the cat not breathing 
Yeah, because there's one scene where he's sort of trying to hold its mouth shut and put his fingers over his nose when it's wrapped in cling film, yeah. isn't it? And you're just like, what the fuck is he doing? And then he, uh, so then he wraps the cat, cat in head, the cat's head in cling film because he thinks nothing will happen because it it can't breathe yeah, because his mum's told him it doesn't breathe. Yeah. Um, and then obviously kills the cat. So he's piecing all this together, and then. Pop turns up, <laughs> who's like he's dressed as a vicar, and a he, delightful character. Yeah, yeah. And he's turned up, and it turns out that it's Bobby's dad, and he's come back to flow, and within no time, after thirty-five years, after thirty-five years, yeah. And he's like, oh, I never knew I had a son, but soon works out that he doesn't like Bubble because Bobby just. He's just like a chameleon, isn't he? Just He just imitates everything he sees, doesn't he? Yeah. And everything he hears. So Pops is talking to him, and then he's all of a sudden he's just repeating stuff back to him that he said, and Pops finds it weird. And it, he's his sort of joy of having a son is soon... Right, this kid's just an inconvenience to us. Yeah, yeah. Well, there was a scene where um, Bubby goes up behind him, and holds his mouth and nose, isn't it? And sort of tries to kill it. That's right, when they first meet, and Bubba's like looking at him and like he hasn't got a mask, and then he looks at the mask hanging up and he's like, Where's he come from? And he keeps trying to piece the things together. So yes, then he's like, Maybe he doesn't breathe. So then he goes to test it. <laughs> and uh, yeah, he wraps his, wraps his, does what his mum done, puts his arm around her fro- his throat and holding his nose. And his mum's got his back to her, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah. Realise. He nearly kills him. Nearly, yeah, nearly suffocates. And then she turns him around and she's like, Bobby, get off him. And then the dad's like, what the hell's the matter with this freak? And uh, he goes, she goes, oh, he's only seeing if you can breathe. (laughs) He's only trying to find out if you breathe. It's so weird. But I mean, the dad is, it's horrible, the scene where he's, all over the mum. What's under oh. the dress? Oh, she's gonna find out. And it's, oh, and this is where the sort of the the jealousy comes from. Isn't yeah, it? but also where Bubby gets his uh, lovely. Do I see it? Cracking tits, Flo. <laughs> yeah, the things of beauty. Them's be whoppers. <laughs> and Seventh it's all things. The it's all things that Pop is saying as he's like unbuttoning a horrible dowdy dress and yeah. pulling out her breasts and Bubba's Bubba's looking and all of a sudden he's sort of not wanted so they're in the other room and Bubba, Bubba's got to stay out and he's like get away you little pervert and then they go out after they've done whatever they do and they go out and they leave Bubby and Bubby just smashes the whole no, no the isn't. first time round he cuts his hair and he makes a glue to That's stick right. his beard on to look like <laughs> to look more of a man more yeah. like Pop and, and he dresses up as Pop, doesn't he? Puts the yeah the vicar suit on. And when, so what, when they come back drunk, like he goes up to Flo being really complimentary, and then his mum's like sort of getting all turned on by it. Yeah, that's right. The dad walks out into the other room, yeah. the toilet or whatever, and then Bobby's like getting starts his rubbing tits his, out. <laughs> his mum's tits, and she's like, "Bobby, oh, yeah, she's all over it, loving it." <laughs> it is so. And then Pop oh, comes so back weird. in, and then she's like pretending that Bubby's like raping her, and then like they start beating the crap out of him. Yeah, 
So he doesn't know what's what, does he? He's got no idea. Yeah, he smashes the flat up when they go out, and that scene where they come back, and it all it's crazy, isn't it? And the dad starts beating Bubby up, and then the mum and the dad the, start falling they out. They start and then fighting, yeah, and they're starts. wrestling, and the camera's all over the place, and Bubby's just sat in the corner, like writhing, like oh my god, it's weird, isn't it? It's twisted, and and then eventually, sort of. They piece together the broken furniture in the middle of the room and the mum and the pop fall asleep and that's when you see Bobby pick up the cling film. Yeah. yeah. Becomes the cling film killer. The cling rap killer. The cling rap killer. <laughs> yeah. killer. He kills his parents and then goes out into the street with the gas mask on. And this is what I remembered differently as well because I always remember... I have it in my head. I can remember the camera being inside the mask when he goes out. Yeah. But I pictured it as like a b- bright daylight. Right, yeah. And he had to walk through sort of the outback for a while before he found the town. Oh, right, yeah, yeah. But when we watch it, he's actually right, right in the middle of the town. In a real industrial yeah. sort of part as well. Like, and he's straight out onto the main road in yeah. the dark as well. So it's weird how you remember things differently. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They call it it's the Nelson Mandela effect, isn't it? Have you heard that? In the 80s, apparently, people all over the world remembered seeing a news report where Nelson Mandela had been reported dead. Everyone thought he was dead. Right. But he wasn't. And, uh, it's yeah, people remembered it, but it never happened. Apparently... Maybe it did happen. Yeah, conspiracy <laughs> much. Another... It's weird, isn't it? But there <laughs> is we a... haven't seen him for so long because he's been in prison. And so, oh, here's another Nelson Mandela. Yeah, but it's weird. You uh, can look that up. <laughs> but... well, well, yeah, I might. <laughs> um, so, okay. The film sort of, kind of, <laughs> eases up after this isn't it? it's a horrible beginning where you I don't know if it talking. does ease up at all there were some bits as it goes on that were for different reasons I mean there's the incest and everything that's going on and the tor- torment and torture of the cat in the opening scenes is absolutely horrendous but there are some other things that go on visually later in the film that will torment me more <laughs> there's a lot of st- uh, it, is, it does just get strange and when he st- first goes out into the streets yeah everyone he meets is really abrasive aren't they straight away everyone's yeah. swearing at him and cursing at him and all he knows is to repeat back what people are saying to him and things that his mum has said to him so the whole his whole communication with the world is throughout the the rest of the film really is just him repeating what's been said to him and it's like strange scenes like when they say like he joins a band later on he meets up with this band and they say have you got any money Bubby and he says you greedy little cunt ain't got enough money to keep buying your milk <laughs> like and that's his reaction to that and then, yeah, yeah and then when they all put the money in the middle and they say something like uh, well if that's all there is we're stuffed and then from then on every time he Bubby money, is given yeah. money or, or sees money he says that same line well if that's all there is we're stuffed and it it's really clever how his reactions sum up I don't know it's the word preempts the scenario <coughs> later where it will be the perfect response the phrase exactly, preempts the yeah. scenario later where it will be the perfect response to what's happening at the time yeah 
because like when he when he gets released from prison they only give him 10 bucks and it's just like well that's enough for fuck all yeah and then he repeats <laughs> that's the same what line, he says there yeah. and it's relevant and I mean that's what's clever about this film because you're watching this character who's sort of a disturbed naive man child with a real sort of odd perspective of the world you're observing the world through his eyes and it doesn't seem to make a lot of sense when you're looking at through his eyes but you think that's what you know it really is a quite a an in-depth look at society and do you know what it makes me think and stop me if you think i'm just chatting shit here but is this or is this not the australian version of forrest gump (laughs) (laughs) it is isn't it a bit like it another film it reminds me of is being there have you ever seen that with um peter sellers it was like one of his last films he plays chance the butler or the chance the gardener who lives in this big rich house um and he's lived there for as long as anyone can remember um and he tends to this rich woman's garden or something. And in the beginning scene, she's died and they got to get out of the house and he's sort of released into the world. And he becomes like really successful in politics, but he's really naive. He's like a child as well. Yeah, yeah. And everything he says has relevance and it's so similar to this, but not as dark <laughs> and sort of, sort of disturbing. But yeah, so yeah. And Forrest Gump, that's a good analogy. He's just sort of put through these... Because you're looking... Naive at, child, put yeah. in situations where he has his own fresh perspective on everything. Yeah, 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 that's it. And, and the thing is, I think with um, Forrest Gump's... When you when you watch the Forrest Gump, there are very um, delicate political scenarios and things that are going on through the film that you sort of try to navigate. And Forrest Gump, through his naivety, his childlike naivety, is, is able to navigate those situations with a very basic sort of black and white right and wrong sort of moral view you know and I think Bubby hasn't had the morals installed from him from his parents clearly you know what I mean because he seems to think it's quite acceptable just to walk up to a stranger and touch her tits if that's (laughs) how he that's how he greets women (laughs) isn't it but I've got to say that it it does him well for the beginning (laughs) half of the film until he meets a group of feminists. <laughs> <laughs> At one point, I just wake up and there's like he's just walked up to this group of women in this building, touched one of them's tits, and then next thing you know, he's just pinned on the floor, getting the shit kicked out of him. And I was like, oh, what the fuck? <laughs> but like even at the beginning, and he's walking around the town, and everyone, like I said, was really abrasive. And sort of the first thing he sees is a car full of like hoodlums, aren't they? And they yeah. sort of. He, he's in the middle of the road and they slam on the brakes get out of that fucking way and uh, then he sees I don't know someone running out of their house have they like been some sort of domestic violence yeah 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 and then he meets someone who's been mugged yeah and she's like they fucking stole my purse and everyone's really sweary and mm, <laughs> like bastards they're pretty harsh yeah. yeah and then the next thing you see is the Salvation Army. He hears them, doesn't he? And they're just all in an alleyway singing. Yeah. And he like he's, loves this sound. It's, he's never heard anything like it, has he? Never heard music. So he sort of drifts towards this music and then walks down the line of Salvation Army and touching their breasts, <laughs> all the women, and 
but he ends up pulling one of them. Yeah, <laughs> the fittest away. one as well, yeah. <laughs> straight away, and I thought, well, he makes pulling look. I never <laughs> remember it being that easy to pull when I was... Obviously, it's all in the technique. <laughs> yeah, there's something that we miss. <laughs> so, he, yeah, he meets the Salvation Army lot, and then they take him sort of to a pizza place, and then there's little things that if you blink, you miss it in this film, like where they're putting their hand in, in the collection pot for the Salvation Army and using that money to pay for the pizza for themselves yeah. for the night. Yeah, and the, the whole pizzeria, pizzeria, every customer in there is a woman. Right. And yeah, he's yeah. just looking around at all these, and there's like not a man in there except for one man in the band. Yeah, yeah. And it's, uh, yeah, he's never seen women like anything other than flow. He hasn't seen anything other than flow. Which is which has really sort of hampered his... Um, Taste, yeah, in women, but yeah, that the the young girl from the Salvation Army, she takes him home, shaves him, washes yeah. him. <laughs> it's the same, isn't it? And then he's in the same position. She's riding him, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just like he has been with Flo, yeah. But she's singing to him a song that she says Jesus loves. And yeah, I mean, there's a whole the whole religious thing in this film as well, isn't there? It's obvious yeah, that the yeah. uh, the director. Writer director Ralph Ralph de Heer. Um He's obviously got his views on religion, and he's not overly fond of Christianity. I don't think. Well, I don't think any religion. I think he just sees that, you know, all these years people have been fighting over whose religion is more. You yeah, know, and there's that big speech yeah. at the end, isn't there? One of yeah. the, the band members gives him uh, about about it all. So it is it's it's all there for you to sort of. Not dissect because it's pretty sort of blatant his views on it, isn't it? But like Bubba's, uh, Bubby's mum uses religion as an oppression, a yeah. tool of oppression. Yeah. And then later on, he meets Angel, who meet who her parents are really strict and religious, just like Bubby's, and they they're really cruel in the way that they speak to her. And they say, you know, she eats too much and she's fat and Jesus finds fat people hideous and repulsive <laughs> it's uh yeah they're really cruel people but you go well, what else have we got before we get on to that <laughs> oh we got loads we got the woman in the Mercedes that he meets in the delicatessen where he's buying red. yeah why does she start to take him somewhere she pays for his Danishes, and then she's yeah, like, "Oh, because okay, he somewhere. mimics her, doesn't he? He sees yeah. her. She goes up, and she says, "Oh, well, two of those delightfully fattening Claire's." And then he goes up behind, and the boy's like, "What can I get you, mate?" Oh, two of those delightfully flattening, fattening Claire's. Oh, fucking hell! Two of those delightfully fattening Claire's. That's a bit of a tongue twister. Yeah, actually, two yeah. of those delightfully fattening Claire's. <laughs> <laughs> so. And then she stops in the doorway, and then the bloke's like, two dollars? But he didn't say that to the woman, did he? No, no, <laughs> They didn't no. exchange any money. Unless you paid before. But, yeah, anyway, but you whatever. don't notice. And Bubby's like trying to just take it, because he doesn't understand that you got to pay for things. Yeah. So then, she, yeah, she takes him off, and she's in a convertible. And he's touching her breast. He's touching her breast, and she's driving. <laughs> she's totally cool with that. Yeah. It's like, why is he in the car with her? Then, but yeah. then they get to a, a traffic, uh, like... A crossroads, and there's the policeman in the middle of the road, sort of guiding the traffic. And Bobby thinks, "Oh, I know what to do." Here. <laughs> this happened to me, and he, he gets up, "Get out the fucking road, you cunt!" <laughs> <laughs> so 
So then the policeman comes over to him and says something and punches him in the gut. Yeah. Leaves him on the side of the road. And that's when he gets picked up by the band. Yeah, like they're a pretty unsuccessful <laughs> band as well, aren't they? Yeah, the first yeah. gig and someone turns up, what's going on in here? And it's like, oh, the band. And he's like, all right, when are they starting? Well, they started about an hour and a half ago, but no one's turned up yet. <laughs> um, but so Bobby sort of meets them and then they find the newspaper, which says... Oh, about the cling, yeah, he points the, out his mum and his dad. The cling film and killers, and you see the photo of the, the mum and dad wrapped in cling film, and Bobby with his big grin on his face is <laughs> pointing, going, That's me, pup. <laughs> That's me, mum. <laughs> and then they find the cat wrapped in cling film. Yeah, they're moaning like, about the smell, aren't they? <laughs> and they're like, Fucking hell, this is the cling film killer. And they're like, There's a £70,000 reward. What do we do? And they're discussing it. So they send him off. Just wait outside. Don't go too far, and uh, yeah, come joke, back with some money, will you? They joking, say jokingly. Then yeah. he goes into a garage while someone's counting up all the money, and he puts the dead cat on the counter. And the bloke's like, "Oh my god, get that away from me!" And then Bubba goes up to him, he copies the policeman, yeah, doesn't he? Punches him in the stomach. <laughs> he punches him in oh, the stomach. Oh fucking hate Mary cunts or something. <laughs> punches him in the gut and takes all the money and runs. And he just walks out with all the money, and takes it back to the van. <laughs> um, there's a weird scene there, isn't there, where he walks into that um, yeah, the almost like garage where there's a woman, woman playing violin. the violin. Doesn't seem to mesh. Mm. I mean, it meshes with the film in the respect that you understand that he has this real uh, draw to music and this yeah. appreciation for beautiful music, like you know. And I guess that's pushing in the direction of the theme of his musical talents towards the end. But um, yeah, it doesn't really seem to mesh with anything else. It doesn't seem like there's much of a point to it. No. But no, it just sort of comes in between the garage scene and him returning yeah. to the band. I was a little bit shocked. Did he go up to her and touch her boob? I can't think he did, did he? Did he or I not? Don't I don't think he did in that bit. No. I can't it remember. Strikes me as well. By that point, you're just sort of thinking, <laughs> he probably has. They don't need to show it every time. <laughs> <laughs> but no one really reacts to him. Cracking tits flow. <laughs> no, that's <laughs> this it. Is it. But there's a, there's a very... Um, there's some strong sexist themes in the film as well, you know, um, like when Bubba goes, uh, Bubba goes to the police station. There's the two women that are trying to complain about being mugged, and the police officers are just sort of like brushing them to one side. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, of course you'll be walking home from where, like, trying basically accuse them of being prostitutes or whatever. I, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. It's a very sexist sort of not taking them seriously kind of view, and. I think in my head that kind of ties in with the fact that these women are just used to being groped and treated like pieces of meat, which are why people aren't overly reacting to him yeah. when he's touching it. It could be, way. yeah. yeah. You know? So I think like Australia especially is supposed to be quite a sort of a male... I don't know if it still is, but it was, it was known for like a bit of a man's world, isn't it, over there? Yeah, it? yeah, yeah. So yeah, it could well, well tie into that. But, I mean, the chap that plays Bubby, Nicholas Hope, it's a brilliant performance, isn't it? He just has this sort of childlike wonder about him. Yeah. Although he's disturbing, he's his the character is endearing, and his performance, it's played in such a way that you feel for him, don't you? Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. You're not sort of grossed out by him, even though he's like, especially when he's sort of, he met defeat so many times that he goes back to the house where his mum's not there anymore and he says Bubby doesn't fit and then he dresses up as Pop doesn't he and goes back out dressed as the vicar 
with yeah. the beard painted on his face. But he's like real grubby at this point, isn't he? He's just filthy, vile. Yeah. And um, you can imagine he probably really stinks. <laughs> yeah, well. there was one point where you could see his fingernails and they were just black underneath and it was just like, oh, that's a, like, it was a really unnecessary detail, but it was like, oh, that's disgusting. Yeah, like, you get that sense that he's just repulsive, but he's sort of gone through this transformation now and he pretends that he's pop. Bobby's yeah. dead and I, now I'm pop living in the world. And there's a real, once he comes out like that, there's a real um, important scene, I think, as far as sort of in his character becoming or endearing to the viewer and that's where he meets that second cat and where he's starting to realise that he doesn't want to be aggressive and abrasive to the cat he wants to be kind he to wants, the cat because yeah. that's how he believes the cat's going to stay and how he's going to gain a friendship like yeah. he's trying that he's making the connection the, the connection there because nice, he starts yeah. shouting at the cat and then he's like stops good, himself good doesn't cat, he good cat good stay cat, cat stay and then he starts feeding the cat pizza yeah and then I, and that's when the heart wrenching moment happens for me is when he comes back and that second cat is dead and that's like oh, yeah. that's the real blow like if if everything before it wasn't like that there that is a crushing moment because you just think after he has that breakdown in, in when he goes back to the apartment and you think oh Christ like stuff has to build up from here and then he comes out of it and the first thing that happens is he finds this new friend who, who's murdered in front of him and it's just mm. like for fuck's sake yeah. So now he becomes pop anyway, and he's he's got a gruffer voice when he's talking, isn't it? Has he been arrested at this point? I think he had because I'm in the prison yeah, scene. He, he'd been, been yeah, he'd been arrested prior to becoming pop, and he he was still that was the breaking of it, wasn't it? I think it was when he it? comes out of the prison. He's got those ten dollars. Then he goes to the church. He goes to the church, meets the chap who tells him that you know, fuck God and. Right, yeah. It's our duty to think God out of existence, isn't it? He says. And then he goes on, meets the feminist, then he gets beaten up, then he becomes. But, I mean, he goes into prison and the policeman's trying to talk to him and he's just ignoring him, isn't he? And the policeman's yeah. like, I've got feelings too. I'm on the night shift and it's, it's really weird. <laughs> yeah, it's like he just wants some, some sort of social interaction to see him through the night. But Bobby just doesn't, doesn't get it at all. No. And then the. I mean, he has this sort of endearing quality when he hears music. Mm. He's enthralled by it, but then when he hears the bagpipes, yeah. he's absolutely petrified of it, and he's trying to climb the walls and get out, and he throws a bit of a tantrum, and then the police pick him up and throw him in a cell with and someone else. Who's naked. Who's completely naked. There is shit smeared all over the walls and all over this guy. Some sort of fucking shitty wank he's been having. <laughs> <laughs> dirty protest. Probably dirty protest, yeah. He's just a weird chap. And then they, Bobby goes in with his big grin and says, I'm the... Um, cling rap I'm killer. the cling rap killer. And then the bloke just bends Bobby over. And, and you don't see it. You just... It's a really tight close-up on Bobby's face just as this bloke's like, all right. We get what's going on. Here. <laughs> yeah, you just see Bubby's head, his whole body, like just jolting into the bed, as you can and imagine. He's grimacing. Yeah, he's just... and then the next scene is that's where the policeman's like, "We have successfully rehabilitated." <laughs> 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 it's just <laughs> brutal. 
So that's how you rehabilitate him. <laughs> Stick him in with a shitty rapist. Yeah, well, I mean, that's probably why they keep the shitty rapist there, isn't it? <laughs> I mean, you know. It's all part of the programme. I think every Australian prison has got one. I know, you lot are probably thinking, what the fuck have you guys <laughs> been watching? And it is, it is like that. And I mean, this film was introduced to me by someone at work who was like... He was going to move to Australia. He did move to Australia, actually. After watching this film. Yeah. But I think one of his sort of contacts in Australia or something, I don't know, someone had suggested that you watch this film. And then he was like, the weirdest fucking thing I've ever seen. And he lent it to me. And I was like, that is weird. But at the same time, it is a great film. <laughs> I got, it's, it's something that you go away thinking about. And it's, it's not one to watch with your family. Don't watch it with your parents or your children. But I mean, look at it on on IMDb. I mean, it's got a seven point five rating on IMDb, hundred percent rating on Rotten Tomatoes. And you go into Wikipedia, and it was nominated for the best film, which it didn't win. This is in the Australian Academy of Cinema and Television Awards. It was nominated for best film, didn't win. It won best direction. Best Original Screenplay, Best Actor, Best Cinematography, it was nominated, and best it won for Best Editing. It won a handful of prizes in the Venice Film Festival. And I think because it's so disturbing and that, but it tackles some real important themes, and the cinematography is great. And I mean, some of the, the scenes, are like the dark scenes, it's... The lighting's just really great. Yeah, it's just almost just a sliver of lighting. You can't see what you're looking at half the time. Yeah, but, but you see enough to make it work. But it yeah. adds to the feeling of the scene and the shot, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah. So as he's turned now into pop, and he dressed like the vicar, and he he ends up in this bar, and then in the bar is this band that Bubby's seen. Yeah. And he's like, oh, it's the band. And he goes up with them and he just goes and stands on stage with them and they put a microphone in front of him and he uses the microphone then to start copying things that he's heard. And it's like, it starts off with his doing the voice of pop, shouting at Bobby, isn't it? And yeah, yeah, yeah. All of a sudden, people start to, you know, people are ignoring the band, basically. And then all of a sudden, when Bobby's up there, they all start to sort of come in and listen and then start cheering for him and they say you've got to come back tomorrow night so he joins the band and what he basically does is just yeah just blurts obscenities and yeah, yeah. <laughs> sort of thing that you'd imagine the Australian public would love and uh, he just becomes this front man but it's so um, everything he does is so um, organic isn't it like yeah. it all comes across as being organic because there's nothing scripted nothing's written down he's just shouting what comes to his head at the time and yeah. and as time goes on it seems to be more fitting with the music that's in the background yeah as so he's to starting to get attuned a, to it yeah it? rhythm to it yeah 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 for sure but and, their band become really successful off of the back of this yeah it becomes pop and the something as opposed to being the band name, doesn't yeah. it? And uh, in the final performance that you see, haven't they got cling film face masks? They've all got cling film wrapped heads 
Haven't they? With a fucking <laughs> with a vicar's collar on. It's like what? Yeah, they're it? selling vicar's collars at the door, and I think one of the chaps who comes up, are they on? Are they on? And I think it's the same chap who turned up to the first gig. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and walked out, and uh, you know they're all look, watching on in fraud as Bobby's got this blow up doll, and he's like lovely tits, and he's taking <laughs> tits out of his doll. <laughs> On stage, he's pretending to fuck it on stage, isn't it? <laughs> it's so fucking weird, but you can imagine it being this little like art house punk band that's sort of taking the world by storm. Yeah, but somewhere after that first performance with the band is when he takes the pizza back to the cat, isn't it? Yeah, right. And when he takes the pizza back to the cat, he turns up where the cat is, and you can hear the cat. But there are like three young kids fucking around with it and the cat clearly scratches one and then oh, fucking he'll kill it break its neck and Bobby sort of scares the guys away from the cat and he goes over there and there's this real sad poignant moment where he picks up the cat and it's just floppy it's limp in his hands and he's like oh don't be still cat so you go the next scene Bobby's sat or pop as he is is sat in some park somewhere at the end of like a little footbridge and he's just eating pizza really sad with his cat next to him and then what happens Trev? this is where he meets Angel isn't it? yes who becomes the love of his life yep um, and if we mentioned earlier she's got the abusive parents as well really yep. religious but she's like a carer for people with people with yeah cerebral palsy really severely handicapped people yeah. Um, and they're not actors you can see that they are handicapped people um, partaking in the film and they can't speak and they're just moaning and making all these noises and they're all sort of contorted like yeah. people with cerebral palsy uh, but then he's I think it's, it's a great sort of scene in a way that like there's nothing about it about them that shocks or repulses Bobby, Bobby because no. he's, he's never seen anyone with cerebral palsy before he's just like it's more beings more people and he sort of communicates with the young girl yeah he, know, he knows what they're saying he can hear what they're saying and he's almost like becomes a communicator between them and the nurse yeah. so they take him back with them to the centre and he sort of becomes part of that doesn't it? Yeah, and you can see they're sort of discussing what would be the best thing to do with him because like, clearly he's not a normal person, like, you know. But they also they feel for him. They sort of feel an element of wanting to protect him from the world because they know that shit things would happen to someone like that out there. So um, Angel uh, sort of takes him to get him washed up, doesn't she? Yeah, and then. Uh, it gets weird yeah because <laughs> he's then he's like uh, one of the things that his dad said to Flo was when they was in the kitchen I can see right down your dress Flo oh and then so Bubby says it to her and she's like oh and he's like lovely tits <laughs> and then she's like he's like show pop and then she's like no I won't show pop but I'll show Bubby I know this is a weird scene <laughs> for me I was like what are they what are they getting at here is yeah. she like because she knows he's like a child but is she attracted she, to the child likeness of his personality or the man body that is in yeah it's strange maybe she's just because he's so vulnerable and she sees someone who sees things for what they are 
yeah. rather than for the facade and yeah you know yeah, maybe. but at the time you're watching it you're like what because <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's stood there start bullet naked yeah and she's washing him again yeah and uh, so he's and then when she identifies Pop as being the grown up adult version of yeah. him go on and she recognises Bobby as being the youthful younger childlike version of him yeah and she's only going to show the childlike version of him her tits <laughs> that's the bit that <laughs> yeah, I see where you're yeah you know what I mean? Yeah. She, prior to that scene, she she's clearly identified because Pops told told her that. But she Pop knows is, that he's pretending to be Pops. Yeah, yeah. This yeah. is the thing. She wants the real Bubby. That's where she's coming from. Right. Okay. Yeah. She doesn't want to give in to this facade. facade. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, I'm with you. But then, like, she shows Bubby her tits, and she's like, "They're not too big," and he's like, "There, yeah, things of beauty." <laughs> He's got this affinity for like the larger-breasted woman, hasn't he? But then he's like wants to do more, and then she's like, "No, no," and she puts him away. But they do start having a relationship. But and then he gives her the card because the band made sure to make sure he comes back to join them. Yeah, gave him a card that when it gets dark, he has to give it to someone, and then they can lead him back to the band. Yeah, so he gives it to Angel, and she's like you're in a band and then it cuts to him on the stage in the band shouting like obscenities down the microphone and everyone's yeah cheering. but the thing is, is this time round yeah, he's, he's imitating the people with cerebral he's palsy he's got something is... new to bring to the act so he's on the stage like with his, yeah, all his I, arms I, I, twisted I, I, up I, 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 it's, contorting himself and it's it's, it's so great <laughs> acting but at the same time it's really difficult to watch because you're just like eh, like I don't know if I, should I be enjoying this should, what am I it's supposed so to do weird, you know it? what I mean it, yeah. it really does make you question what you're supposed to feel when you're watching it all the way through mm. and that is part of the greatness of the film it's like there's a lot to be said isn't there for how far you can take art you know film being an art and even comedy being an art like you know the Brass Eye yeah, yeah. was the big paedophile special one which was the one that everyone's like no that's not funny but you know, there is something about it that is funny, and it's just, you know, taking things to real extremes, isn't it? To make to make points and to... I don't know. I don't know what the point of him <laughs> doing this is, you know? Well, the thing is, is I think, again, it just echoes his naivety, doesn't yeah. it? He doesn't see the differentiation between someone with... Um, cerebral palsy and someone without all he's doing is repeating a phrase that was said to him by someone with cerebral palsy yeah you know what I mean yeah he's, all he's done ever since he was a child was just imitate the people around him in his life and that's all he's doing again there's no it's because there's no differentiation that he doesn't see that it needs to be censored in that sense I think no so he, and he's almost like exploited by the band, isn't he? But he's loving it as well and you can see he yeah. really gets into it doesn't he and yeah 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 bizarre <laughs> but then it's sort of um, he oh there's that scene as well where like two groupies are like in his bedroom oh or yeah they groupies or they prostitutes well, I didn't fuck get, they knows, sort of they Bobby we got something upstairs for you and you know they're naked these two naked women sort of throw the sheets back when he gets in and they're they're well endowed. Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah, they're not, yeah. And he's like, 
they're like, oh, we'll teach you what to do. We've never been with a virgin before. And he's like, tiny tits. <laughs> and then he walks out. <laughs> Not interested. Like, nope. <laughs> well, he's a man who knows what he likes, isn't he? Yeah. You know? But, yeah, with the, like, the, the, the girl with the cerebral palsy as well, Rachel, isn't it? And she's, she's in love with Bobby. Yeah. And she keeps telling him she wants to be with him. And then there's that scene where he just picks her up and he's cradling in her arm, in his arms and they're crying together. Yeah. And it's like, you know, I don't know enough about cerebral palsy, but, you know, that girl, can you act in that condition? Can you, do you know what's, you know, because she looked like she was crying, but not in a painful way. Like, you know, it's, it was an emotional, yeah, yeah, yeah. It wasn't like a it physical was, pain. It was no, it was like an pain. emotional scene. It was a real poignant scene. Yeah. You know what I and mean? You like, feel for both of them in that instance. Because then Angel comes in, what's what's the matter? What's up, Rachel? And Bobby's really like, you know, gentle with her and kissing her head. And he's like, I'm really sad for Rachel because she loves Bobby. But Bobby loves Angel. So then they're all like this. <laughs> what did you say, David? I said, that's quite possibly the weirdest love triangle I've ever seen in any film. <laughs> you know I've watched some stuff <laughs> so it, yeah it's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a very poignant scene but it's a very the film is very good at producing strong emotional scenes where you don't know how to feel what you would normally because it's in such a weird context yeah you know is, what I mean yeah it is it takes things to depths that you probably wouldn't choose to explore would you it is strange but I think when we watched it 20 odd years ago it was just weird and I think watching it this time there's yeah there's some like dated sort of misconceptions and dated you know times have changed and I mean but the film it is a it is a good film. It's. it's a, I don't want you lot to think I am just a freak. <laughs> and enjoy this sort of film. It's not the f- sort of film you would choose to watch again. But I didn't. I don't know. Mind it. <laughs> I just enjoyed it for for what it was. It to me, it feels like a very Trev film. <laughs> if I'm honest. Yeah, it probably probably is. This isn't even my choice. This is just one we just discussed. yeah. We both we both decided that this needed to be watched when we first started the podcast. We was like, we need to revisit Bad Boy Puppy because <laughs> <laughs> it is one of those strange films. I've outside of the group of people that we watched Bad Boy Puppy with that time previously. <laughs> I've never met another living soul that's watched Bad Boy Puppy. <laughs> And I've I know. It quite I think a lot. if I shared posts, usually share a post to films, and then people come up. Oh, I've seen that really good. I wonder how many people have watched Bad Boy Bubby. I wonder how many people comment when we share the post for this podcast. None, <laughs> <laughs> unless we have a few Australians listening. Did um, <laughs> did anyone reply to say that they'd seen Rubber before? No, I don't think they had. No, no, no. That was another weird one. <laughs> Towards the end, though, once Bobby... Because when Bobby gets with Angel and they uh, go to meet Angel's parents, and like you say, they're very abrasive 
towards Angel and very judgmental about her weight and size and sort of very God-fearing and they use God to sort of God talk to kind of oppress her. Uh, Bobby leaves not happy with this, doesn't he? Hmm. He comes back and sort of... You you don't know, but you're led to believe that Bobby just goes back there and kills both of her well, you do, Yeah, because he, he goes back to where he's been sleeping in that trash pile and he finds cling film there, doesn't he? Yeah. And then the next scene you see is it's a lovely shot, a silhouette with the factories blowing off smoke in the background, isn't yeah, it? The two big the chimneys. And then Bobby and Angel in silhouette in the foreground. Just, yeah, in this beautiful red s- sunset. And she's like, sort of saying how. They were already riddled they with were already, illness anyway. Yeah, they were already dying. But I don't think they was. But she's just saying that, you know, everything in the world. This cancer and poison all over the world. They were doomed anyway. Yeah, and the thing that in and that that's moment, the point, isn't it? That they're trying to make is that you look at all the pollution and everything around us. What's different with these factories killing us? Yeah, yeah. manufacturers than someone like Bobby. It's, it's strange, isn't it? Bizarre. Yeah, because every everything that they shoot all the way through the film is in a heavy industrial area like the whole thing there's no point in which you see any lush countryside or any normal um, suburban residential area everything is super built up and industrial and sort of dark and gloomy and and sort of really claggy in the whole way through and um, Angel's views at this point seem to sort of almost mimic Flo's mindset in the beginning of, of telling Bubby about the poison outside that's going to get him and yeah of, but she's sort of saying it in a more yeah it does it does it, there is a lot of sort of echoing isn't there in the beginning and the end because let's be honest Angel is basically a Bubby's mum younger version kinder yeah version. but she's a younger looking version of Flo as well isn't yeah. she like you know what I mean yeah He's very much attracted to her because he sees the flow in her. Mm. And, yeah, she does bathe him like his mum. And then she has these fears of the poisons and the toxins in the air outside like that can mom, kill yeah. you like his mum. And then there's that strong religious link uh, between her parents and his mum that you sort of see as well that Bubby sort of yeah. picks up on. And there's so many parallels there that sort of... We were just destined to go out and try and date another younger version of our mum. <laughs> Horrifying thought. But you know, and it but it is an it is a happy ending for Bobby. He does find sort of a place in the world for himself. He does find love in Angel. And the last scenes he becomes a father. Yeah. Him and Angel have given birth to two twins and then you see him playing in a nice big back garden with two that's a really weird birth scene isn't it (laughs) yeah because you think they're having sex at first yeah and then you just follow the sweat down Angel's body between her breasts and then all of a sudden like there's a doctor like pulling a baby from between her legs and you're just like I mean it's not as scary as the birth scene in the fly because that was just horrific. I never want to see that again in my entire life. That was just like, oh. But then it put the camera pulls back and it's like, 
Is it the band or is it I the think camera it's crew? The band. Yeah, it's like, yeah. Well, it's like got, a boom mic and stuff. But they've all got they? collars on, haven't they? Yeah, they've so. all got the Vicar collars, and they're all like looking through the window and filming it. You know, he's happy at the end, and he's can be the father that he never had, and you know, show love for these children that he never had. It's a strange, strange film, but it's got good morals. Hmm. But. Yeah, it is disturbing. <laughs> Highly recommend it. I know. It is like, when you hear us talking about it, you're probably thinking, what the fuck, that's weird. But, you know, it is a comedy drama. <laughs> you, you don't think of these themes as a comedy when you hear us what we're talking about. <laughs> I, I, I would recommend to anyone who's into film and likes something to really think about, to go and go and watch it for sure. Yeah, for definitely. Yeah. If you don't like, even though we've given everything away now, there's nothing. Yeah. But, <laughs> but you've got to see it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, if you if you really enjoy, because the thing is, is other people might interpret what we've seen in different ways to what we interpret. But if you, you know, really like to think about and go away wondering what the fuck you've just watched, then this could yeah. be as good as any horror. <laughs> you know, for that. But if you like. Uh, Go into films to see... Fluffy, feel good, <laughs> happy. Yeah. Generally the sort of stuff I'd watch when you're not here. Yeah. <laughs> that sort of film. Yeah, don't watch this. <laughs> but uh, there you go. Well, Nathan. Trevor. Thanks ever so much for sitting through that again. That, do you know what? It was a pleasure. <laughs> it was a real good film. Um, so, yeah. I don't know if I'll watch it for another 20 years or not. <laughs> but plenty of other films to talk about so next week anyway it will be my choice we'll get back in order uh, in the meantime yep thanks everyone for listening and we'll see you all soon chase chase <laughs>